This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the very niche and kind of geeky details of modern warfare with me, Jake Hanrahan. For this episode, we're speaking to Valerie Plesh. She's a journalist based in Kosovo. She's been based there for years and has been consistently covering some of the very underreported situations in the country there. Today, she's going to be speaking about the recent decision in December that the Kosovo parliament passed for the country to have its own military. Now, of course, this has caused a lot of tension with Serbia. They don't get on as it is, and the war is still very fresh in everybody's minds from the 90s. Valerie will be speaking about these issues that the military might cause, talking about corruption and all sorts of other things in Kosovo. To support Popular Front, even if it's just a dollar, every little helps, consider pledging at patreon.com slash popular front. Towards the end of 2018, um, Kosovo voted right to have this military and maybe you can tell us why they suddenly did that and why it's kind of a controversial situation for them to do that in the area. Well, to be honest, I was surprised when they finally voted um, to create the army, to transform the, the current Kosovo security force into an army like on December 14th. I had been tracking this for a few years now and because there's always been talks um, here in Kosovo since independence that the KSF is going to be transformed into an army. Kosovo will soon have its national army. There was always talks about it. Um, and <clears throat> But they would have to change, amend the constitution to, um, to transform the, the current KSF into the army. And that just wasn't happening. And then they did it um, on December 14th. And of course, it was very controversial because Kosovo Serb MPs um, did not vote. They didn't even attend um, the voting, and uh, they boycotted that. And uh, of course, Serbia is not pleased with this. So, and NATO also is not. So it just comes at a kind of a interesting time, I would say. Um, you know, to have this big major transformation, especially NATO is still here in Kosovo. So then, what happens to their mission? This is a very much, you know, big question that people are talking about here. Yeah, it's weird. Why do you think they suddenly decided to do it? Because, it, it, you know, like you said, it kind of came out of nowhere in a way. I mean, I know it's been on the cards for a long time, but now it's happened. There's a lot of things that are, you know, I think this, the dialogue between Kosovo and Serbia is just not moving forward, um, moving at the pace that people expect it to be. The politicians who are all... Um, were all in the warmer, you know, they were fighters who, who are now run the country. They want to, I guess, show their power and that they can get things done. As you might have heard that um, the government recently imposed a 100% tax on Serbian and Bosnian products coming into Kosovo. 100%? 100%. How does, how does that work then? Right. It's really interesting. <laughs> I still don't know. Um, but I get that happened about, I guess, a month and a half ago. Um, I would have to check that. But yeah, it's just a series of things because things are just not moving. You know, as, as, as people with 20 years after the war, you know, it's kind of, it's just not where people thought it would be. And um, that I think the dialogue is just—it's kind of failing. Um, and uh, so then they, they put these measures to make it look like um, that the government is doing something about Kosovo. So this this tax, um, 
because also Serbia had a really big campaign for um, when Kosovo wanted to join Interpol and um, they launched Serbia launched a big campaign for you know members not to vote for Interpol for Kosovo to join Interpol and then Kosovo did not join Interpol they were not accepted so this was kind of like a retaliation um, about this this tax so it's that and then um, it, this all happened around the same time at the end of 2018 November December um, so that has a huge backlash, I mean, from international, the international community, even the U.S., which is a huge supporter of Kosovo. Just the other day, um, you know, the U.S. said that if they do not, if Kosovo does not um, remove the, this barrier, this tax, um, this 100% tax, that, you know, there could be huge consequences here in Kosovo. So it's, it's um, yeah, a lot of moving, it's a lot of... <laughs> things are happening here. It's hard to kind of keep track of everything that's happening, to be honest, because things just happen so quickly. And Maybe you can tell us a little bit about the war, the, the historical you know, situation, because obviously that affects things very much so now, as you've said. But I think it's a war that a lot of people don't really know about or particularly remember so much because of how many you know, conflicts there were in the Balkans at that time. It's true. Um, and still today, and people... Yeah, what what's happening in Kosovo? I mean, um, okay, so I'll go back to the nineties. Um, I mean, basically, uh, um, Kos- ethnic Albanians in Kosovo, which was then a, a province of Serbia, um, had long been wanting their own freedom, their own independent state. And when um, Yugoslavia disman- uh, dissolved and Milosevic became the leader um, of Serbia, he kind he changed the lives of, of Albanians living in Kosovo. Um, many, if not <laughs> most, Albanians lost their jobs. This is the, we're talking about early '90s, mid '90s. It just everyone's lives just became worse, and um, and tensions. <clears throat> I you know tensions. I relations between Serbians and Albanians were good. Um, during Tito's time, um, the former president of Yugoslavia, um, you you didn't see these ethnic tensions as as you saw them late 90s and until now. Um, But so towards the end of the 90s, the Kosovo Liberation Army formed and they they were the ones who wanted to protect Kosovo and and fight for the freedom of, of Albanians. And the, the Kosovo Liberation Army was a guerrilla movement, right? A guerrilla group of fighters. Yeah, rebel group. As, yeah, yeah, we can call it that. Um, civilians, um, young men joined this group and uh, um, they formed and it became, uh, yeah, the Kosovo Liberation Army. And um, they were, they... Uh, that's when I guess the war began towards ni- I guess the end of 1998 um, when Serb forces um, were uh, there's a lot of attacks between the KLA and the, the Serb forces um, around the country but a lot of the fighting was centered in, in the central region of Kosovo and that's where many of the current politicians come from so that's something that I think people should not forget that today's government is ruled by those K- 
KLA, former KLA commanders and fighters from those areas, the war zones. Right, like even the what the president or the prime minister, I forget which term they use, but Hashim Tachi, right? He was actually a fighter and some even say, you know, a potential war criminal. Yes, um, they call, I think he, he, he likes to call himself, he was like the political leader um, of the KLA, um, something like that. It's um, an easy way to get out of any trouble to say that though, I think. Yes, of course. That, oh, I was the ideological force behind the KLA. Um, that's Dachi, the Prime Minister Ramush Haradine, he was a commander. He fought, he and his brothers were engaged in, in huge um, battles. I would say, um, during the war, and uh, one of his brothers was killed in one of these attacks against Serb, the Serb army, <clears throat> and now he's prime minister. Um, yeah, and it's, yeah, so that, that happened, um, you know, 1998, 1999, and then um, the turning point of this civil war was actually January 15th, 1999, when there was a massacre in a village in southern Kosovo where 45 um, ethnic Albanians were killed. And that became the turning point um, because then uh, that paved the way for NATO to intervene, which they did in March of 1999, March 24th, um, and with 78 days of airstrikes to remove Milosevic from Kosovo. Right, they, they bombed the hell out of the place, didn't they? Yes, seven uh, tons here and in um, in Belgrade. To yeah, they were targeting Serbian military installations. Um, yeah, in Kosovo and in Serbia, but I think the majority of the bombings were here, and it was also during that time, the March through June 1999 period, is when around 800,000 ethnic Albanians fled Kosovo um, as refugees because that's when the heaviest fighting was that took place, yeah. I've been to Kosovo, as you know, I made that film there, what we said, what, two or three years ago, and the conflict certainly felt very... Um, alive still at least in the minds of the public you know people were talking about it and referring to it all the time because there was some unrest in the the political situation there but i don't know i was there to cover something very specific do you think that the war still is kind of lasting for the younger people there for the next generation or do you think it's kind of just for the old boys i think it's really fresh you know even for the young generation as a journalist living here um, I this is what I'm actually mainly focusing on is how people here are dealing with the past there this wartime recent wartime past in order to move ahead have people healed um, and I and they haven't and um, I think trauma depression has passed down from the older generation to the younger generation because people just simply have not healed there was a war then suddenly nato came and then there was freedom the serbs left the kosovo was free a new government was formed everything just happened so quickly and i just don't think it took people just i don't think people really processed all of this and um you can see this suffering still today i i've, I've seen this in many of my um stories that i've done from people who've lost people who whose relatives are still missing, their bodies have not been found, um, rape victims, um, and uh, people who've lost 
people in the massacres, like I just covered the 20th anniversary of that massacre I, I spoke about on from January 15th, 1999, and people, the thousands of people came to that village on Tuesday, um, three days ago, and, and you know, the flowers and visiting these, these grave sites, and I, re I was reflecting on this, and, and yes, I can conclude that this nation has not healed. Right. And and with that in mind, do you think then if this military really kind of gets up and running, do you see that, I mean, it seems obvious, right? A lot of young men are probably going to join up and want to fight, even though they don't really have a specific war to fight right now. On December 13th, if I'm not mistaken, a day before the parliament voted to transform the KSF into an army, American flags were um, flying everywhere in downtown Pristina. They had, uh, the government had put them up on that, the main boulevard, which you may remember, Mother Teresa Boulevard, and mm. um, as a sign, as a, you know, thank you, America, for all your support, um, for everything that Kosovo has been able, I guess, to achieve. And in this case, it's finally their own, own army. Um, and in terms of people joining, I don't know how that's going to look. Out, look. Um, I do know that, um, the KSF, which is, it's still called the K, the army, I think is still going to be called that, um, the K, Kosovo Security Force. From my understanding, I don't think the name will change into like sure. the Kosovo National Army. But um, it is um, a really good opportunity for young people to join. Um, I, I've covered some of, uh, I visited some of these K, KSF bases and even when local new recruits um, were, were starting on their first day. This was a few years ago, and they were all very excited, men and women. The salary is quite good compared to others in Kosovo, especially looking at the unemployment situation in Kosovo. The salary is, is quite good. I think it was around 400 euros a month or something for a new cadet. And that's good. Very good. Jesus Christ. I think that really goes to show you how bad the situation is. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, the... It's dismal, the employment situation here. What is it, like above 30%, the unemployment? I think it was when I was there, or maybe more. I see more. I mean, <coughs> figures, I, I guess, I think the World Bank um, figures is actually at around 60% for youth unemployed. Jesus Christ. So, um, yeah, so these opportunities with um, the Kosovo police and the KSF, I believe, are the two, I think, most um, respected institutions um, in Kosovo for people to join um yeah. so but I, I haven't seen anything lately like where young people are racing to ksf offices around the country to sign up to join their join the army and we have to also remember that it's going to take about 10 years to transform so it's not like on december 15th it became an army right yeah and everybody didn't suddenly get fatigued and arrive <laughs> like guns i mean they don't even have helicopters or but then so what is the difference then what is the you know the as the kosovo security forces is now what will be the difference what do they actually do right now it, it will be bigger um though from what i've read it's not going to be that much bigger because i think right now the ksf is around three thousand um members and this will grow, the army will be about 5,000. They will have reservists, so similar to the National Guard in the United States. Um, it's where they'll have people on, 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 on duty, like a National Guard kind of um, way. 
Um, and they will be hopefully. Um, I think the government hopes that the the army, the soldiers, will be able to contribute to other peacekeeping nations as well. So not just um, protect Kosovo, but also um, join other peacekeeping efforts. Like in Albania, for example, um, Albania, which is part of NATO, they um, they are active in Afghanistan, and um, and I know that the prime minister, I believe, said we can even be in Af- in in war zones like Afghanistan. So um, they'll be just like a regular full army where they can um, go to war if necessary. And gain experience, I guess. Um, do you think that this is going to cause, I don't know, potential conflict with Serbia? I know that Serbia are really annoyed about this. And, you know, I've been to Mitrovica, the area where Kosovo kind of connects into the Serbian area of Kosovo. And that's so tense there. And I know there are even militant groups are still around, maybe not active, but they're there, you know, the guns are somewhere. Um, I guess, you know, my question is, do you think this is going to create something perhaps more violent around those areas? I don't know about violence. I mean, I know that's been talk. Uh, there's been, uh, that's, I've, I've been, you know, people have been talking about that and on social media. Um, I, nothing has happened. I mean, it's been a month now. The only things that I, I've been noticing is, is yeah, people talking. I mean, Putin was in Serbia yesterday and he said, um, he mentioned in the press conference, he referenced this creation, the transformation of the army in Kosovo, and he said that was illegal and against, um, yeah, the UN mandate um, that's still in place here in Kosovo. Um, so in Serbia, obviously, I mean, they said this could create a, a new war, new um, bring new violence, bring instability to the Balkan region, but that's just talk. I, I, I just don't see how that could um bring violence I, I i i just don't see that now and what are, what about the militant groups i know i know that you know kla is still very much kind of in the, in the history books kind of but there are really you know militant groups around there still i forget the name of one i think it's like ashk is one of them every now and then they put out these training videos i mean how how serious is that i don't think it's i don't think it's that big of a threat is it it's not i to be honest i I only heard it really through you when you were reporting on it, and I. <laughs> My weird obsession with this. No, stuff, it's yeah. it's fascinating, <laughs> and I've asked people, and they're like, "What? What is that? No, it's not something that's." Um, I mean, sure, I'm sure there are people that are out there, and they want to, to, um, I don't know, uh, kind of relive their the the moments of or the KLA but I, I I just haven't seen that I think for me when I was in Mitrovica what really struck me because at the time when I was there there was um clashes you know there was quite quite big I wouldn't say riots but you know lads clashing with the police and throwing molotovs at the government building for a bit and when I went to Mitrovica a guy said to me he was like yeah I'm I'm here protesting do you think if I had a job I would bother to do this and to me it struck me that the unemployment like you said is kind of funnel, funneling the or fueling fueling the anger a lot more than any of that kind of stuff yeah but again we just I haven't in since you were here I think that was like the last big protest that happened here the like in the violent protest with the building burning of the government building youth really angry i mean there have been protests since then but very peaceful and students gathering all that but sure. so uh, it's it's really strange i don't know it's people say that fachi was could have been involved also um 
you know, to get people out there to um, to protest and against. I got. I, I. I don't know. It's so many theories. Yeah, yeah. A country like that always has these mad theories. Um, yeah. talking of yeah. theories, to me it sounds a little bit like America backing this this um this new army and whatever, and then Putin talking about it in Serbia, saying that it's kind of out of order. It sounds like these proxy games a little bit, you know, like this this in Europe, I think, is all becoming a part of this, I don't know, this kind of proxy showdown between Putin and the West. I mean, maybe maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? Yeah, it is. And, you know, it comes at a time when... Um, I think Russia feels and maybe it's kind of loosening its grip um, in the Balkans because Montenegro just joined NATO and Macedonia is soon on its way because they changed their name finally and that will kind of also pave the way for them to join EU and NATO. So that could be in the near future for them. Um, so these, I guess, you know, traditional uh um, allies of of Serbia, uh, I'm sorry, of Russia is um, is dwindling, and uh, yeah, they just I guess Russia just sees this as a threat, and um, you know more NATO in in the in this region seem is yeah they don't like it. <laughs> yeah, they don't like it. And what about the corruption? I have, a, I have a friend in Kosovo who's always talking to me about the corruption in the government and, and stuff like that. What's that all about? I don't really understand it, to be honest. Well, at what level? <laughs> Basically every level, he says to me. I, I get the feeling that the, 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 you know, the people don't particularly trust the government. Not that they are against them, but they don't trust them. Yeah, no one has trust. It's, it's really bad. Um, I mean, look, 20 years after the war and who's in power? war people who are considered war heroes fighters where are the fresh faces to lead this country and people are just fed up with seeing old faces running this country they don't have the proper background to run a country they are not educated they um you know they came into power very quickly after the war and formed all these these different political groups and all of that so and they are rich um, I can say that those politicians in power they have gained a lot of power money through businesses here companies people interests you can yeah and yeah I mean to only really I mean it's really hard for young people to get jobs in, in government because if you don't know someone that is either working there or you're not affiliated with a party you will not get a job so you have a lot of unqualified people who are in positions of high power in this place it's really it's really um it's very frustrating to see that i think for young people here yeah yeah it sounds like they're making it very stagnant um valerie um is there anything else you think people should know about kosovo because i feel like this is a really really interesting country i haven't been there i loved it there and i love the people there as well um but it seems to me that it's kind of off everyone's radar because the war isn't raging anymore do you think there's you know why should people care about kosovo that is a really good question that i ask myself almost every day <laughs> uh, because i do live here and i try my best to you know get stories out of here so i have to remind myself that people outside of Kosovo, the majority of people outside of Kosovo, yeah, this is not on their radar and why should people care? Um, I think people should care because um, I think it's 
first of all, people do not know that there's still an ongoing NATO peacekeeping mission here. There, it's, lo- it's the longest peacekeeping mission in NATO's history. That's crazy. 20 years. That's K-4, right? K-4. Yeah, sorry. Called K-4. And um, there's about 4,500 NATO soldiers in Kosovo. This is the, it's, the mission is longer than Afghanistan. That's, um, for me, fascinating that 20 years later, this is a, a country that there's no more war, but yet you have NATO. You have around 600 American soldiers here. They come every year. They rotate in and out of this place, um, active duty soldiers. So I'm always asking myself, why? Why is NATO still here? This is a country that is at is there's no it's it's um there's no more war here um and so i'm always trying to understand that um why is it like it doesn't make it doesn't really make sense to me having said that actually i went to one of the uh, serbian orthodox uh, monasteries um near mitrovica i think it was and the priest obviously very biased but he said oh we need them here because we'll be attacked by you know albanian kosovans and we've had things thrown at us i mean do you think that's true right the oh, father sava i think who you met yeah that's him yeah um yeah they i mean it's interesting that nato does protect um some of the serbian that well i think the only serbian orthodox church they protect is his because it's so big um and so it's ancient i mean this medieval church from like the 1300s but um okay i mean you see in the news sometimes that there's some kla graffiti or um i i i I, I, not on the church but maybe in the surrounding areas and then that becomes headline news and see look the albanians are going to attack the churches or when serb serb pilgrims come from serbia to kosovo to visit these ancient sites Sometimes you know, the youth, these Albanian kids, really are throwing rocks at the buses. And then that makes headline news. See, look, look at those crazy Albanians. They are just out to attack Serbs when they're visiting you know, religious sites. So then they say, see, we need NATO to protect us. Um, it, it's these very, these rare incident, these events, but I just don't see that as really to have 4,500 NATO troops, considering everything that's happening else in the world, um, why it's Kosovo still has this structure here. It's, I don't know, it's just really um, interesting. Um, but um, yeah, I, that's, that's one thing I think people should care about is that, um, that there is still this ongoing peacekeeping operation um, here. And yeah, um, it's a nation in transit. It's, a, it's the youngest nation in Europe. What does a young nation look like? It's young in population and because of the youth. And the majority, I believe, is like under the age 28. Um, and you also, it's the newest nation. So what does a new nation, the newest nation in Europe look like? I think that's fascinating. You, where, you know, it's the second newest nation in the world news in Europe. So I think those are things that people who are curious about what does a nation that's still building, what what does it look like? What is it going through? What are the challenges to build a new nation? This is These are the questions I always ask myself um, to make it relevant 
um, for people to understand that this is this is not like any other country in the world, frankly. The pro-American sentiment, you don't have this anywhere else in the world either. And I mean, would you say it's accurate to say that Kosovo is, I don't know, the only Muslim country that is really pro-America. I don't know if you would describe it as a Muslim country, but it certainly felt like that to me. Yeah, <clears throat> both Albania and Kosovo, I believe, are n number one and two, the biggest supporters of U.S. Um, always in these like polls. I think it's the um, Gallup poll. Kosovo is number one. Albania is number two, um, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yes, it, it is a Muslim-majority nation. Um, uh, it is, um, yeah, so it is for sure that it's interesting. When I tell, I, I, I was in Afghanistan a few years ago and I was telling my Afghan friends there about that. Like, I was like, you guys, can you imagine American flags being, you know, strung on, you know, lampposts in downtown Kabul for all the years that Americans have been here? And they're like, no, never. And I'm like, well, can you imagine that's how it is in Kosovo? You both of you guys have had American military interventions, NATO intervention. NATO is still in both of these countries. And it's just so different, the reception. Um, this is so curious. It's so fascinating. Again, you don't have yeah, this pro, such a pro-Western, pro-American outlook. Everything here, go the government constantly, I mean, it's like without fail a failure. It's like in Twitter, you see the, the, the politi politicians always saying, you know, oh, we always thank our American friends, our Western allies. Or this is, um, you know, the road to democracy where they, Kosovo wants to promote itself really as this, very, very pro-Western I mean, it is. I mean, it is a, a pro-Western nation, but they just want to always reinforce that, that it's part of the, they call it, I guess, the Western, the Atlantic family, the Western European family, um, all of that. Yeah. Mm. And do you know, um, do you know anything about this far right situation uh, where I read about this, it was Serbian far-right, uh, like, neo-fascists, but kind of hardline orthodox guys who were forming, you know, like, little groups because they say, oh, we want to take over certain places in Kosovo. Do, do you hear anything about this? Um, Like, the ones that are, like, on the border and they were training yeah, with right. yeah. Serbia? Yeah, I've seen um, news kind of pop up here and there, but again, I've not seen that as, like, a major threat or... Um, a big press like that they've made um chaos or they are seen as a threat here i have not seen that to be honest so it's not really a worry no i don't think it is but again you know north kosovo really is a whole different area i i myself have not been up there many times that i've lived here mm -hmm. in the four years it's just not an easy place to travel around i mean logistics um is i mean i'm not yeah it's just i'm just it's it's a whole other place up there okay um i think we got it i think that's really interesting uh is there anything else you wanted to say oh um no just thanks for your interest in this in kosovo i mean it's people um i think it's an interest as you know it's an interesting place um and it's it's come you know a lot of things are going to be happening in this year so i think it's a good time to look at what's happening in kosovo yeah, definitely. I would advise people to go there if they can at least once. Um, Valu, where can people get hold of you and keep track of your work on Twitter or website or whatever? Oh, 
um, just Valerie Plesh. I'm, I think I'm the only one out there. And how do you spell your surname just for people that won't be uh, looking at it online? P, as in Peter, L-E-S-C-H, last name. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks very much. so much, um, Jake. So that was Valerie Plesh talking about the various situations in Kosovo, the military, the tension, the unemployment, corruption, everything. Definitely check out Valerie's work. I've known her for years. She's a very good reporter, doing a lot of stuff uh, in Kosovo that you would never really hear about otherwise. This episode was sponsored by thedefensepost.com, defense with an S. Check them out for up-to-date analysis and reportage all on global conflict. This episode was also sponsored by Atlas News on Instagram, instagram.com slash atlas.news. It's a cool way to get your news. I think they do something quite different there uh, because of the disgusting censorship that is on Instagram and basically anything associated with uh, Zuckerberg. They are apparently shadow banned, so you can't really search for them. You'll have to literally enter in the address. So again, that is instagram.com slash atlas.news. Check them out. For all things Popular Front, you can keep up to date by following me on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash Jake underscore Hanrahan, H-A-N-R-A-H-A-N. I am a fucking pain in the ass to be fair. So if you want to just follow the Popular Front account, that is twitter.com slash Popular Front CO. Same as the website where you'll find all the episodes in order popularfront.co like I keep saying every episode there will soon be a full website everything will be on there Um, but you know money is always an issue so uh, please do consider pledging at patreon.com slash popularfront now even if it's just one dollar it absolutely helps we've got a lot of bonus episodes on there as well it's basically a second podcast I think there are 20 21 episodes now um, on the bonus everything from how Abu Hajar came to the world what it's like in Azov paramilitary training camp um, the latest episode is about homemade rockets no actually the, la- uh, the, the latest episode is about a what is basically a secret society paramilitary group um, that had this weird plot to assassinate German politicians and this only happened two years ago we speak to a guy that was on the inside for some of that uh, it's quite interesting so yeah there's a lot going on in the Patreon patreon.com slash popular front we're not going to do any of these horrible adverts we're not going to do any corporate investments so that's the way to keep moving forward if you want to support us please do also if you go to popularfront.co scroll to the bottom you can donate to us there's also a bitcoin thing there as well you can donate if you want uh please do follow us on youtube subscribe to us on youtube hit the bell that's youtube.com slash popular front on the instagram it's instagram.com slash popular dot front thank you to the following people without you lot this whole thing would definitely fall apart those people are Anthony Kubarik, Adam Bergsnyder, Axel Iverson, Chad Walker, Dan Dunham, Daniel Shearer, Darby, Diana Gorvanek, Emily Molly, Fletcher Tate, Jack Mayhoff, Jakob Janowski, James from the Discord, Joanne Stocker, Joel Tambusi, Joshua Yabbott, Lawrence Abrahams, LH, Margaret Bowling, Michael Euler, Patrick Bronte, Peter McCormack from the What Bitcoin Did podcast, Russia Alakidi, Ryan Sandercock, Scartoon, Scott Jonesy, Sean Fowler, 
Sarushe Hawazi, Tony Bin and Zachary Hinch and Teddy. Thank you all very much for keeping everything afloat. Music in this episode, the intro was by Home. Look him up, just search Home Resonance, you'll find his music. And the outro was by Son of Old. Find his music at soundcloud.com slash son dash of dash old. S-U-N dash O-F dash O-L-D. 